The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. We welcome Florida Congressman Matt Gates. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us this evening. You were the driving force behind yesterday's motion to vacate this historic moment, first time in American history of a Speaker of a House be ousted. And now we have a race between potentially Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise. In the past, you said you would support Steve Scalise, but you're a friend of Jim Jordan. Who are you going to back? Well, I'm for both of them right now. I'm eager to hear their plans and their vision. But if the House of Representatives goes from the stewardship of Kevin McCarthy to either the stewardship of Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise, that's going to come to the delight of many conservatives and certainly many of the Floridians that I represent. Uh, But it's not just about the person. Uh, Both of these folks are honorable men. It's about the plan they have to reduce spending. We sit atop a $33 trillion debt. We're facing $2 trillion plus annual deficits. And I am worried about global de-dollarization. I see what's going on in the African Union, where more of those countries are using local currency when they're selling natural resources. I look to a lot of the Gulf monarchies and energy producers in the Middle East that are moving away from the dollar and toward the yuan. Matter of fact, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, and Iran uh, just in August joined the BRICS system, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa system, to de-dollarize. That with the latest Reuters survey showing that economic analysts now believe that in 2024, you're really going to see a cooling off of the dollar. So I believe we right, have to a have lot of governance say, and a plan. A lot, a lot of critics, sir, do say, though, an expansion of BRICS, though, means it actually dilutes it. They cannot coalesce around anything, and that actually helps the fact that the dollar remain the primacy currency on the global stage. I, I wonder. I think that it not it, that is not a linear progression, right? Because as BRICS becomes more institutionalized, uh, you could see more and more good. I mean, the, the real worry about BRICS is the movement of natural resources outside of the dollar as the global south continues to develop and pack an even larger punch in the economy. Uh, you know, I think that the downgrade from Fitch was largely driven by the fact that there's no real backstop to spending. So here's what we need, no matter who's the speaker. We need a top-line budget that at least in the House of Representatives returns to pre-COVID spending levels, and then we need to be able to have single-subject spending bills with open amendments to have programmatic review of agency spending. Well, Congressman, let's talk a little bit about what just happened. Nobody's ever done this before. Uh, It it was history-making yesterday, the ouster of of the Speaker. We're told that you are the least popular man in the House of Representatives, or at least to the Republican conference. In fact, just yesterday, your Republican colleague from New York, Mike Lawler, suggested violence against you in an interview right around this time yesterday. I'd love for you to hear what he said and have you respond. Here's Mr. Lawler. The only thing that I would have done differently is flung it in the direction of one person. Uh, Look, he absolutely epitomized uh, the frustrations of uh, the conference uh, and the American people. Was that person Uh, from Florida you're suggesting? Oh, yeah, I would have hit him square between the eyes. He was going to hit you square between the eyes with the speaker's gavel, he was suggesting, Congressman. Uh, Do you expect to be expelled from the Republican conference? 
Oh, I, I don't know. I, I think that that was a, a very frustrated person who's having to come to grips with the stages of grief. My mission is to ensure that the House of Representatives runs better because the way we've been running Washington, D.C. for the last 30 years has led us to a point where no one is really responsible for the spending. We are backed up against shutdown politics. We are governed by crisis. And the biggest problem is lawmakers have to take one up or down vote on continuing resolutions and omnibus bills to either fund or not fund the entire government. That truncates the type of thoughtful and serious um, you know, analysis that we have to apply to how the federal dollar is being spent at a time like this. So I'm not much for political violence. I don't want to hit anybody. If Mike Lawler comes at me with a gavel, I'm not entirely sure that would concern me, but that's not the direction I think we ought to go. Mm. I think we ought to maybe craft a budget before an attack strategy. Well, you know, Kevin McCarthy says this was personal. He spoke uh, about this at length yesterday that he's seen texts, he said, involving an ethics probe against you. Congressman, what do you know uh, about the, the status of this investigation? Have you been called to appear personally? No, I haven't. I've answered all the questions I've been asked, and I am the most investigated man in the United States Congress. I have been cleared by the FBI, the DOJ. The Federal Elections Commission had a 5-0 vote to clear me, and the people who told vicious lies about me two years ago are now sitting in federal prison for being part of a criminal uh, fraud scheme to shake down my family. So I don't fear any investigation. I've never asked Kevin McCarthy to assist me in that matter, and sometimes Times people try to make policy failures personal because those failures are so personally embarrassing to them. So when Kevin McCarthy talks about this conflict being personal, I think it's more projection than a sober analysis of where the House stands. Like, if Kevin McCarthy had passed a budget and followed the law to move 12 single-subject spending bills, regardless of whatever's going on, he would still be the Speaker today. It was his unwillingness to do that and his desire to centralize power in contradiction to the agreement he made in January to become Speaker that led us to this moment. Congressman, I believe you're alluding to Stephen Alford, who is in prison, but he is not in prison for what the DOJ was investigating you on, which was sexual allegations of trafficking a minor. He was in prison for trying to extort your father for money to try to get a, an individual out of Iran, a hostage, and also potentially a pardon for you. And yes, the DOJ has not pressed charges, but what Joe was asking about the House ethics, and that's very broad, uh, the list is quite um, long in terms of what they're looking at. They're said to be looking at allegations of sexual misconduct, campaign finance violations, taking bribes, using drugs, sharing inappropriate images or videos on the House floor, and misusing state identification records. Have they discussed any of these issues with you directly? Those things are all false. Those things were all investigated by the FBI and DOJ officials who hate me for years. They turned out to nothing. I didn't get, they, the DOJ didn't find so much as a parking violation on my behalf. So I'm not at all concerned about this. This is a distraction to try to not confront the substantive argument I'm making about spending. Right? I'm making an argument about the fact that the United States Congress should follow the law and have a budget. And the response is, people think I'm an ethically challenged person, even though these things have been thoroughly reviewed. Like You mentioned campaign finance violations. I, I think appropriate context for you is the knowledge that the Federal Elections Commission looked into those things and found by a five 
5-0 vote that I had done nothing wrong. So I am the most investigated man, I am the most exonerated man, and Stephen Alford was absolutely part of using vicious lies to commit a criminal fraud against my family. If people are trying to use those vicious lies now to try to limit my ability to represent my constituents in Washington, D.C., they will not be able to be successful just like Mr. Alford wasn't successful. Right, but going back to 2021, Joel Greenberg, an individual who is in prison, uh, you who cooperated extensively with the Justice Department about this sex trafficking probe, had said on more than one occasion this individual is involved in sexual activities with several of the other girls, the congressman from Florida's first congressional, congressional district, and myself. He is in 11 years in prison by a federal judge in Florida because of this. This was a letter he wrote is obtained by the the Daily Beast. Are you concerned about these allegations? I know you say the DOJ did not press charges, been clear. but this information Look, I, is out there and the House Ethics right, Committee is still validated. investigating you. I can assure you that those claims will never be evidenced by any facts because the FBI and DOJ attempted to do that. Keep in mind, one of the reasons Joel Greenberg is in prison now is because he falsely accused a different person who was a political rival of the same type of misconduct. So Joel Greenberg is literally in prison in part for making false accusations that directly trace the false accusations he's made against me. I, I think it's like thoroughly unsafe serious that you guys are trying to breathe life into these things that have been discredited, debunked, and the people who have said them uh, have, in some cases, found themselves in prison. I want to ask you about Donald Trump, Congressman. He was questioning Republican infighting in a post on Truth Social that I'm sure you saw, but you speak with him personally. You have a close relationship. What does he make of all of this? When's the last time you talked to him? Uh, I talk to President Trump pretty regularly, and he has been thoroughly encouraging of my efforts. And uh, I look forward to actually being with President Trump uh, in Palm Beach. We're both scheduled to speak together uh, next uh, Wednesday. So if we're not having a speaker vote and I can make it down, uh, he and I will be together uh, campaigning. And I look forward to making sure he's the next president of the United States. Did he not call you last night after that history-making vote? Uh, I, I'm not going to get into exactly when I speak to the president, but I speak to him regularly. He's been encouraging, and I look forward to continuing to campaign with him as I have in the past. I want to also ask you about uh, what's going on in the appropriation bills. There's an earmark that is for $50 million for your district, and Jake Sherman of Punchbowl News is saying potentially that might get killed now because of the events that unraveled the past 24 hours. Are you nervous about this for the helicopter hangar that you were hoping to get those funds for? Well, I certainly hope that people wouldn't be so uh, torqued over what's happened that they would deprive our national security of a key asset so that brand new helicopters that were just brought in to train our sailors and our Marines and our uh, Coast Guardsmen would, would, would be secure and, and wouldn't be uh, left out in bad weather or in an inferior hangar system. Uh, I've spoken to the chief appropriator on that matter. He said that Jake Sherman's report is false, that uh, they expect that that $50 million for Northwest Florida to support our aviation training mission will be there. Again, that's not something for me. That's something for our service members and to ensure that the new equipment we've purchased is well-maintained and able to be used for training. Congressman, I want to just get back to where we started while we have you with us. You accused Kevin McCarthy on the floor of the House of cutting a secret deal, you said, with Joe Biden over Ukraine. It was partly how you justified his removal uh, as speaker. Steve Scalise, though, backed aid for Ukraine just last week and is seen as a close ally of Kevin McCarthy. 
Is that a deal breaker for you? No, because it really is the secret part of the deal that offends me more than someone's personal views on Ukraine. Uh, the matter is somewhat settled now because in the Republican conference, we have a rule called the Hastert rule, which means that once a majority of the majority takes a position on a policy matter, you can't use a yeah. minority of the majority to roll them. And uh, in the last vote on Ukraine, we had 101 Republicans vote in favor of that aid, 117 vote against. So it's sort of a settled matter that the House of Representatives has done funding the war in Ukraine, no matter who the so you're is. So that, that'll happen. There'll be a vote then on a supplemental request for Ukraine. Will you vote for it? Absolutely not. I've been voting against U.S. involvement in this war for some time. I believe this war will end any time the European democracies want it to. Sir, just quickly, because you brought up the Hastert rule, is that something you like to live by? Because yesterday, 4% of your Republican conference ousted Speaker McCarthy when he had uh, more than 90% of the backing of your colleagues. That was the yeah, majority of the majority, wasn't it? Sure, but the Hastert rule would apply to policy matters and bills, not procedural matters, such as a resolution to deem the speaker vacant. Moreover, uh, if I violated the Hastert rule, it would only come after Speaker McCarthy violated it on the Ukraine supplemental. The last Ukraine supplemental we had didn't have a majority of the majority. I can tell you that uh, that type of uh, kind of boorish leadership uh, wasn't sitting well with some of the people that voted with me to vacate the chair. All right, and I know it's not technically a real rule. It is just something you all like to live by. Congressman Matt Gaith from Florida's 1st Congressional District, thank you so much for joining Bloomberg Television Radio this evening. Thank you. The countdown has begun. This May, a 1,000 global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.